All right, all right. So, um, man, I got some drip on my arm. I do got drip on, but I got drip on my arm. For those of y'all who don't know what that means, the students can tell you a little bit more about that. So, um, <laughs> so but hey, I, uh, thank y'all so much for joining us today. My name is Eric Moreno. I'm actually uh, the student pastor here at uh, Friendship Community Church, and we have some awesome students uh, to serve too, for sure. And so I appreciate student ministry. I absolutely love it. And, uh, and I also want to tell y'all that um, I had an awesome time. Last week, there was a bunch of us that were out last week as far as staff was concerned. I was celebrating my 14-year anniversary. Um, so exciting. Yes, absolutely. That's right. That's right. Um, 14 years, and uh, she still puts up with me. So that's a good thing. Um, but uh, no, it was, it was a blast. We had a blast, man. I was celebrating, I and mean, I just kept thinking about that one, you know, that that time that I, uh, that I said I do and she said I do and, and everything else, and we were reminiscing about that a little bit um, in the cabin in Gatlinburg, so I uh, definitely appreciate, uh, appreciate you know, for those of them, for those volunteers that stepped up as well. And we do understand we had an awesome, awesome family service uh, last week. Um, we're going to do something a little different. It may have a little different outcome or maybe the same. I don't know. If some of y'all who were here last week know we had the children, and you know children can say some of the weirdest things sometimes, right? And we know that some children said some things. Well, this year, we're going to start off with the teenagers. Now, they're not all going to be all around me and me being like Papa Eric, like reading, but uh, we're going to start off with them doing some of the truths um, as well. So, uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll look into that earlier. But, um, but yeah, anyway, so we were, we were there. We were celebrating. We got, to, we got to hang out and just eat a lot and go into all the stores that we can go into without our three kids, kind of messing with everything and stuff like that. If you've ever been to a into a store before and you get kind of nervous with that too. Um, so that was awesome. But then it just made me think like of all the things that I call my wife, my little mama, my baby mama, my, my, my ride or die. And so I thought about this, this, uh, this term ride or die. Has anyone ever heard that before? Raise your hand. So I was thinking about it. And so, uh, and, and that's a lot of terminology within, within student ministry, within student culture today, ride or die. And so it made me think of like when I first heard it. And these are the three places that I was doing some research on that phrase right there. And I heard ride or die. So if you know me, you know, every time I start a sermon, especially on Sundays, I like to put some student or some teen culture in there, too. So that's what I'm going to go ahead and do for you all today. Ain't no different. Ain't no different today. Right. So um, I thought of these. So I thought of these three things. And I'm going to show a slide up in here, um, up here in a minute. So one of them was Will Smith, Martin Lawrence, Bad Boys. Martin Lawrence, if you ever know Bad Boys, if you ever seen that movie before, it's all right, I won't judge, it's okay, it's church, but still, I've seen it before. And um, Bad Boys, one of the things they say is they say, ride together, die together, Bad Boys for life, okay? But then I also thought of uh, Puff Daddy or P. Diddy, or some of y'all call him Diddy, or maybe he's even Sean Combs, I don't know what his name is now. Um, back in the 90s, was it part of a hip-hop um, a hip hop label called Bad Boy, and they used to say the same thing, right? Or die. But then I looked up research again, even further than that, and there was biker gangs that used to say "ride or die" as well. Now, one of the things that um, "ride or die" meant even back then was that hey, if I couldn't ride, if I couldn't ride my motorcycle, I'd rather die. And then it kind of took on a frame of like loyalty with friends. And now it's like, hey, that's my ride-or-die chick. That's my girl. She's going to be loyal to me whatsoever. So it went from, hey, if I can't do anything, I'd rather die, to, to being loyal. And so I thought of this, looking at this, and even going over the scripture that we're going over today, I thought I'd say that it even takes a term even greater than that to, um, to this passage 
that we'll see here uh, today as well. So um, in looking at that, if you can, and I, we probably won't be able to do this right now, Justin, I forgot to give you that slide, uh, but if you look at just this one passage, just this one verse in this passage right here that we're going to go over, um, it is in uh, John 11, if you look at 14, okay, this is where my boy Thomas Didymus T. Diddy, okay, that's what I was thinking of right there, all right, um, this is where he says this. He says, Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and I am glad for your sake that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him so that Thomas, called Didymus, T. Diddy, there you go, said to his fellow disciples, Let us go too so that we may die with him. He's going knowing that he's going to die. That's Thomas's loyalty branched out to his disciples, or branched out to, to Jesus and saying, all right, if we're going to learn about this, we're going to go too. So if you, have, if you want to spark an awesome conversation with your teenager, and I know some of the teenagers are like, oh my gosh, mom and dad, whatever, but you can always say, if you ever hear them say ride or die terminology, you can say, hey, let's go back to John eleven fourteen because that's where, it, that's where it stems from. That's where it's true. That's what it truly means to be ride or die, is to know that you are going to a place knowing that you are going to a place representing Jesus, knowing to going, going to a place and saying, hey, look, I'm repping Jesus. That's who I am, and that's what's going to happen right now. So that's what we need to look at, too, for sure. So if we can, let's get into the, let's get into the Word today. Um, John 11, we're going to look at verses 1 through 48. I went over this with the students about uh, maybe about two months ago after we finished up, finished up a really long series called Miracles on Miracles. This was a 37-week mi- series where we went over all 37 miracles of the Bible, and it was phenomenal to hear your students, I say your students because we're a church, we're a family, talk about the truths of God and the truths of humanity in every single concept and all of these miracles as well. And it was amazing to see that. We're going, to another, we're going through another one right now called Callings. Or, well, it's called The Work of His Ministry, where we're going through the callings and looking at what, is, what does the church look like. Um, as we as we grasp and go deeper into Ephesians 4:11, um, but this is what we ended up a cu- about a, a couple months ago. It was awesome to hear all of the truths, to know that God is working within the student ministry, to know that there is a Holy Spirit that is constantly going into, and it's easily said with me just reading Scripture and asking the question of what does this say about God and what does this say about humanity, and how we as adult leaders can be there, so thankful for them, and then also myself can just be there to guide each and every one of the students as to what this is, as to where it is in the Bible, as to how we can talk more about this as well, and then even encourage you parents to have those conversations uh, even more um, with your student as well. So let's go ahead and, and dive into Scripture real quick. First, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll dive into Scripture. Uh, God, we thank you so much for this opportunity that we don't take for granted, God. As we uh, open up our Bibles, as we read the Bibles, may you continuously stir um, within this community of believers so that we can move closer to you. May every word that comes out today be anointed by you. May it all, may it all find its way into our hearts. May we think about it, may, may we marinate on it, and may we ultimately just praise you for the word that you give us. Not the words and not the thoughts, not the theology of, that we have in our own mind, but the word that you give us, God. And I'm asking all this be done in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so uh, going in here, uh, John, going on 11, verse 1, here it is. Now a certain man named Lazarus was sick. 
He was from Bethany, the village where Mary and her sister Martha lived. Now it was Mary who anointed the Lord with perfumed oil and wiped his feet dry and her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent to the message to Jesus, Lord, look, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness will not lead to death, but to God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he remained in the place where he was for two more days. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples replied, Rabbi, the Jewish leaders were just now trying to, were just trying to stone you to death. Are you going there again? Jesus replied, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If anyone walks around the daytime, he does not stumble because he sees the light of his, this world. But if anyone walks around at night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After he said this, he added, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going, to, I am going there to awaken him. Then the disciples replied, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus has been talking about death, but they thought he had been talking about real sleep. Then Jesus told, told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and I am glad for your sake that I was not there. So there you may believe, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas, called Didymus, T. Diddy, said to, this, said, said to his fellow disciples, let us go to so that we may die with him. 17, when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had been in the tomb four days already. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, so many of the Jewish people of the region had come to Martha and Mary to console them over the loss of their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will grant you. Jesus replied, your brother will come back to life again. Martha said, I know that he will come back to life again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even if he dies. And the one who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She replied, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who comes into the world. And when she had said this, Martha went and called her sister Mary, saying privately, The teacher is here and is asking for you. So when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still in the place where Martha had come out to meet him. Then the people who were there with Mary in the house consoling her saw her get up quickly and got out. They followed her because they thought, that they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now, when Mary came to the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and people and the people who had come with her weeping, he was intensely moved in spirit and greatly distressed. He asked, where have you laid him? They replied, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Thus the Lord who had come to mourn said, look how much he loved him. But some of them said, This is the man who caused the blind to see? Couldn't he have done something to keep Lazarus from dying? Jesus, intensely moved again, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a stone was placed across it. Jesus said, Take away the stone, Martha. The sister and deceased replied, Lord, by this time the body will have a bad smell because he has been buried for four days. Jesus responded, Didn't I tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? 
So they took away the stone. Jesus looked upward and said, Father, thank you that you have listened to me. I knew that you always listened to me, but I said, I said this for the sake of the crowd standing around here, that, may, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he shouted in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The one who had died came out, his feet and his hands tied up with strips of cloth and a cloth wrapped around his face, Jesus said to them. Unwrap him and let him go. Then many of the people who had come with Mary had seen the things Jesus did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and reported to them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees called the council together and said, What are we doing? For this man is performing many miraculous signs. If we allow him to go in this way, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take our sanctuary and our nation. All right, so uh, what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to open this up, if y'all don't mind. I, you know, I think it's valuable for us to see not only the talents that our students have, just with not only the talents that this generation of students have, uh, whether it's better at singing, whether it's playing football, basketball, whatever that may be, I think some of the coolest things that we can even see is a dialogue that our students can have just with the Bible. So if, every, if all the adults don't mind, what I'd like to do is I'd like to open this first portion up of truths to our students, who some of them are here on the front row, um, and some of them know this, some of them don't, um, are teenagers. So if you're a teenager and you have a truth about God or humanity just by reading this, if you want to go ahead and just display that, that'd be great. So any students, don't let me down, please. Um, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking with you. Um, but yeah, if there's any, any students here that have um, any truths about God or humanity, if you want to share those, feel free to do so. And then I'll, I'll wait for awkward silence and then I'll move forward. But y'all can just shout it out however you want to. Go ahead. So we need Jesus living in us to see past the dark obstacles, right? And I'm sorry, we're going to have to do this analog style because I don't have the handy-dandy no Andy notebook here. So um, we're going to do this analog where I'm just going to write it down. So we need Jesus to see, what was that, Big Willie style? Okay, we need Jesus living in us to see. So where would you get that from, man? So, right, absolutely. So, yeah, so what my boy, Big Willie style, I call him every, every sort of nickname known to mankind, so y'all have to excuse me with that. So what Will was talking about is he's like, look, when Jesus, is, when Jesus is looking and telling, he's trying to give, he's trying to shed some light, not only, not only to just make, this, make this, uh, th this message make sense to them, but also to help them understand the truth of the gospel and how it helps you identify and understand where darkness is as well. And so when there is darkness there and when there is these things that, we're, that are unwavering that we are uncertain about, we know that the one thing that is certain is Jesus. The one thing that is light is Jesus. So when he says that we need Jesus living in us to see those things, to, to, to illuminate those things, that's exactly what needs to happen. And so even in, in our everyday life, we need Jesus when there's unwavering, when there's uncertainty. We need his word. We need his gospel because his gospel is true to our life as well. 
Great, man. Great, great truth. Way to go. Anyone else? Go ahead. Humanity is hungry for power. Oh, man. I thought the adults were going to say this one, but, uh, but you did. All right. He's hungry for power. So tell me, tell me why you think that. I think I know why, but tell me why. Well, what, what verse did you get it from? Right, right, right. So he, she's talking specifically about verse 48. If we allow him to go on this way, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away our sanctuary and our nation. Let me tell you, for someone who is living in this day and age, for someone a part of this generation to recognize that, that when Jesus comes in, right, when, and, and this is, these are the Pharisees, these are the people that are talking, they're like, hey, hey, wait a minute, we can't let this go on. Because if Jesus goes on proving his miracles, proving that he is the Messiah, proving all of this stuff is true, then they're going to take away our nation. They're going to take away our sanctuary. They're going to take away the things that are comfortable to us. But you see, that's exactly what Jesus wants to do. He wants to come in and disrupt our lives so that way we can depend on him and only him. And with him, we will have sanctuary. With him, we will have a nation. And that's what we need to understand. Because many a times we hold on to those sanctuary things. We hold on to those things that make us feel safe, that aren't of God. We hold on to those nations that aren't of God that make us feel, feel safe. And even of, even of, the, even of the, the point of following that as opposed to following what it really says in the Bible and in the gospel. And so what we end up doing is we make those things our God. Right? We make those things the true, the true matter of, of, of what matter, the true things that matter, as opposed to making God, as opposed to making Jesus our personal Lord and Savior. Awesome. Good truth. Good truth, Haley. What else? Go ahead. Go ahead, Coop. Humanity does not know as much as we think. Humanity does not know. Yes, that is so true, just within general as well. Um, know as much as they think they do. So why would you say that? Yes, absolutely. So, yes, absolutely. So, when he's when when he's talking about that, I think we have to also love the true loyalty of Martha in this in this manner as well. When she's like, "Look, look, look, Jesus, it, no no sweat," and I understand what's going to happen, but he he's dead, he's dead. But you see, humanity. A lot of times we come to this situation saying, "Hey, God, hey Jesus, I know you're going to do something miraculous, but you know, and it's going to happen way down the line." The true matter is that we don't know the timing of what Jesus is going to do and how he's going to do it, but it's so awesome to see how he proved to her what he was going to do and how he was going to do it right then and there and how he did it. And I think that's what we also have to understand because he's calling Martha and Mary to something so amazing at this point in time. As a matter of fact, he's calling a lot of people to some, to some, deep, to some deep mission at this point in time. Throughout this entire passage, he's calling the prophets, he's calling the prophets, he's calling the Pharisees, he's calling the disciples, he's calling Martha and Mary, and he even calls Lazarus in this moment as well. And that's what we have to see. All of what he does, because 
he's going beyond what our thought process is in that too. And then we as, we as humanity sometimes, we think that things need to go a certain way. If I can be totally honest and transparent with you this week, I had a very long week this week. I thought my study and my prep for this, for this sermon was going to go a certain way. About Wednesday, I woke up with a 102.5 degree fever. I'm all good now today, just by the way. Um, and I was not able to do the prep that I wanted for this, for this sermon, but I had to understand and take back Take back that, hey, God, you are in control. And then as I reached out to, to people to pray for me, I was getting better. As I went to the doctor, the doctor was like, you ain't got the flu, you ain't got COVID, you're good right now because you don't even have a fever um, on Friday. And I started feeling better then, and I understood that, and I started looking at myself, started getting nervous and anxious about what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do this, but then had to lie back deep in prayer as the students are on the group chat praying for me. And then hearing, hearing even Hudson uh, was praying for me throughout the entire week as well, um, let me know that God's got this, that God has got all of this, and that if there's anything that I adore most about what we do here as a, as a community, as a family of believers, and how we work, how we let the Holy Spirit move in our services especially in the service right now where we're hearing these truths and understanding them um, and knowing that this is what God has for us and knowing that they're truths that because of my background and because of what I've been, because of what I've been through it has nothing to do, or, or my education or whatever else has nothing to do with what you need to hear, but it has everything to do with what Jesus wants you to hear. So that's why we work together in making sure that this is, that this is all of, uh, this is all of, of, of big biblical content and foundation of God's word before it's ever my word or anyone else's word. So it's good. And, and sometimes, you know, we, we try to think we know more when it comes down to it. But the true matter is, is that God knows what he's going to do. God knows how he's going to heal. As a matter of fact, God knows how he's going to bring things to life. And so I think that's awesome. Good job, Coop. Anyone else? Go ahead, Cambry. Humanity continuously underestimates God, right, in that same manner. Just like we think, we always underestimate what God can do. Like Martha would say, hey, look, I know he's going to come back to life one time in the future or something like that, uh, um, or I know he will, but, but it's not today. And then Jesus is like, oh, you just wait. Um, so that's what happens, and that's what we need to look at, and that's what we need to understand is that God will do things in his timing when he wants to. And Jesus can do those things. We have to understand and believe in him. We have to believe in his word. We have to resonate in his word. And we have to continuously live in his word to understand and know that as well. Good. Okay. And I think, Code Man, you had one, right? God does things in ways we don't expect. Right. Absolutely. See, God did, and I think that brings into a very, very, very good point in this too, is that during this time, they were going through what they call the Shemira or the Shivra. Okay. Uh, yes, Shemira. So during this time, um, in old Jewish in old Jewish burial times, I had to look up like a I had to look up something in the um, the Jewish the Jewish dictionary uh, this morning. So it would help me out. And it was part of the Talmud in, in Talmudic times, which was this was like how 
This was like an old way that they, the old, old way uh, and how they did Jewish customs in Babylonian style is what it was. And so in Talmudic times, while burial was not delayed, graves were watched for a period of three days to avoid possibility, the possibility of pseudo-death. And at that point in time, they also, not that they wanted to avoid, but they wanted to see if there was any resurrection that would take place. And so if we read, if we see here, we'll see that um, at that point in time, when they found out he was dead, he was already dead, or he reminded the place that he, already, he was already dead. He was already dead for four days by the time Jesus got to him. But even at the time that Jesus heard about it, it was four days. It was already two days, so Jesus waited two more days, okay? So what Jesus was doing during that time was he was basically saying, like, oh, I'm going to come at this point in time even when, you're, you're, even when there's the end of hope, even when the hopelessness has ended for you, even when there's no hope, and I'm going to do something that is going to bring hope, even when they had no hope based on their tra- tradition, Jesus said, hopelessness is not for me. There is, there is no hopelessness with me. There is no hopelessness in understanding that, hey, that, that nothing else can matter, nothing else is going, to, is going to take shape, nothing else is going to happen, because I am going to come in here, and I am going to bring life to this, to this man who I love, who I weeped for, who I care for. There's no place for hopelessness with Jesus. And I think some of us right now, that's what we, we may be dealing with. We may be dealing with hopelessness right now. We may be feeling like there's no hope in what we can do and how we can live. But there's hope in Jesus. Because if we see anything, we know that Jesus called this man to life by name. And some of us in here, we're not living. We're, we're kind of like the walking dead, no pun intended for the show, but we're, we're or, the, or the season, but... Uh, we're, we're the walking dead, and Jesus wants to call us by name to life. He says, I have a plan for you. Insert your name here. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants you to live. And some of us, he's calling, he's calling us to serve. But see, yet we still are mindful of the traditions and of the things of this world. We still will allow that to be our God. We will still allow that to, to, to reign fully on us. And I, I, heard, I heard this at a conference one time um, I was at or I was attending. And they said, do you know, that, you know that Jesus calls you by name just like he did Lazarus? He calls you to live. Sometimes we live more for social media like Instagram, like Facebook, like TikTok, anything like that, but yet they don't know your name. They know your traditions, what you look up. They know how you look. They know what you look at. They know who to, put your, who to give your content to. They don't know your name. They don't know what lives inside your heart. Jesus knows what lives inside your heart. Jesus wants your heart. So let's not live our life surrounded by the things that the world tells us what 
is true and how the world knows us because it's Jesus who knows your heart and he wants your heart. All we have to do is give it to him. Because it's not about those worldly traditions that we need to follow. It's him that we need to follow. What else? Anyone else? I think I see you, Hood. Word. That's right. That's right, man. That's awesome. So uh, what Hud was saying is that even when Jesus, even when he found out, because right before this, I mean, he just escaped a stoning, right? He just escaped the stoning from the place that he was going to. As a matter of fact, if we even see here when he was going to visit, he kind of stayed back behind and was like, look, I don't want to like, you know, mess up everything. I don't want to cause a ruckus here. Uh, I'm here because someone died. Um, he even stays back a little bit because of it. But yes, you're absolutely right, uh, Hudson. So he was, um, he was coming back to the place where people, where, where people were trying to stone him. People were trying to kill him. But you see, he loved, he loved people so much that he even went into that dangerous spot for the people that he loved. And see, that's what I can challenge every single person right now is that if we feel like we're in a dangerous spot right now, Jesus will break down those walls. He will do whatever he can to get to you, to find you, because he loves you. He cares about you. He loves you more than those video games. He loves you more than social media. He loves you more than your boyfriend or girlfriend. He loves you more than your husband or wife. And that's the way it should be. He loves you. He cares about you. And not that, those, not that those places are dangerous situations, and if they are, I encourage you to find Jesus and find a safe place, first and foremost, in him. Find a sanctuary in him. Let that be your sanctuary. Because he wants you. He is calling you. And even when he goes to those dangerous places, just like Hudson was saying, He's there on assignment to call people. He's there to call people to do something. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that later on, but that's good. Awesome. Awesome. Anyone else? Oh, Haley, got another one? All right. Because these adults want to talk, so. <laughs> Even God has emotions. Right, absolutely. Where'd you get that from? I think I know, but. <laughs> That's right, absolutely. In John eleven thirty five, if we look up there, it says Jesus wept. Even Jesus has emotions, and I think we really need to understand this too, especially um, and especially coming from a student pastor. We need to understand the true matter of Jesus's pause and his patience right here, in weeping for someone who passed away. It wasn't like, all right, let's go, let's take them out, let's get, let's get on with our life, let's pull, up, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, let's make sure we're moving forward. No, he kept a time of mourning for that specific situation. Mourning is healthy. I'm going to say that again, mourning is healthy. We shouldn't live there, but it's healthy to mourn. Jesus took time to mourn, to weep or the person that he loved the most, and he was moved in that manner. 
And even in this time frame right now, it's okay to shed a tear. It's okay to cry. It's okay to mourn. It's okay to be not okay. But Jesus, because Jesus shed a tear, Jesus mourned in that manner. Even with everything that he knew, even with everything that was going on, he still wept. It's okay, men, it's okay to do that. Women, it's okay to do that. Students, it's okay to do that. It's okay to be moved by emotion in this point in time because we see a distressful situation. We see a community of believers that are surrounding this too. We don't know what the weeping was for. You know, we, we, under, or we understand that it was because he loved him, right? But you know, we also look at it as like, you know, we could be moved, he could could he be moved by the fact that the community is just coming around these sisters or the, the you know Mary and Martha and and loving them and caring for them the way they do and praying for them? Or could it be that some of them are praying for him, but then some of them are also saying, Hey, I wonder what Jesus is gonna do, and that's the sole purpose while they're there, and so maybe he's distressed. But overall, through all that, through all that, it's very obvious that Jesus took some time to mourn. To take some time to weep for this life, who was loved, who was cared for. And it's okay for us to do that too. Awesome, students, we good? All right, all right, other other people here in the uh, here in the auditorium as well. Are there any other any other truths that y'all see? I mean, I think they covered it very well, but uh We'll see any other truths that y'all see as well. Jesus is pro-life. Okay. All right. Why would you Why would you say Jesus is pro-life? Just based, or what What scripture made you kind of look at that? Sorry. Absolutely, absolutely. So we see that we see that Jesus is pro-life in this manner that He loves life, right? Jesus loves life. He loves the life that's lived. Right? But he's also weeping for the life that was lost, too. I want y'all to understand that. He's weeping for the life that's lost, but just like he knows where he's at, just like he knows what he wants to happen, what he is called to do, he calls Lazarus to life. And in that same manner, what he also does when he calls Lazarus to life is that he also calls, he also calls people to unwrap him and let him go. So not only did Jesus call Lazarus, did Jesus say, Lazarus, come out of the tomb, but then he also, uh, he also called, he also, Jesus said to the people who were watching or his friends, hey, come out and unwrap him. So Jesus is pro-life in a sense of like, yes, man, absolutely. Jesus, come to life, or Lazarus, come to life. But then also, the community that needs to surround him to make sure that they're unwrapping all of that death from him as well so that he can live so that he can or so that he can live the life that God wants him to live because let's because in that in what was going on right there is that they were they were unwrapping him because they had already began the ceremonial the ceremonial shroud or they already wrapped him with ceremonial shrouds they basically mummified him 
And then in that time, too, another thing that they did that was part of their tradition was that the people did is that they would start tearing their clothes, like all that they had. They would start tearing their clothes. The community or the families would start tearing their clothes that they had because there was no use for them, because they were dead. So at that point in time where hopelessness, was, where hopelessness happened, he didn't have any clothes to come out with as well. So what, he was, so what happened, and then they also, and then as he's calling Lazarus to come out, he's calling a community of believers to come out and say, hey, let's be around this person. Let's surround this person. Just like you've surrounded the, the, the people who are mourning, let's also surround the dead who you've called to life as well. And that's what we need to do as a church, church family. We need to not only... know that Jesus is calling people to life. But we also need to be there when that person is called to life. We need to be there to unwrap all those masks or all those things that they had in their life and just and I'm not saying like I'm not saying expose them, I'm saying unwrap them because there's a difference between that, right? With exposing meaning just straight up call them out and throwing those stones, and then unwrapping, asking questions, talking to them, earning the right to speak into their life. That's the difference there. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. He says, because he's talking about 47, so the chief priests and Pharisees called the councils together and said, what are we doing for this man is performing many miraculous signs? Be- right, absolutely. They acknowledge the Pharisees, and the Pharisees are acknowledging that Jesus has more power than them. Exactly, absolutely. And then they go back and they're like, wait a minute, whoa, 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 wait a minute. But we like the power that we have. We like the power that we want. We want to keep this power. We want to keep this sanctuary. We want to keep this nation. And see, some of us, that's what we want to hold on to. When we see Jesus, and so some of us right now, we may be hindering on that line of of crossing over and crossing into Jesus, but right now we're so, so fixated on, oh man, but I I got this awesome thing going on right now at work. I got this amazing thing right now. God, I know you're calling me to do this, but I don't want to do it. I don't want to let that go. So that's what's going on right there. The Pharisees have been, been totally, their, their, their power is being taken away, or they're looking at how their power is being taken away, but they don't want to let go of that power because they have sanctuary and a nation in it. Absolutely. And they're not smart enough to understand that they never had power to begin with because it was all Jesus from the very beginning. That's what we've come here today to understand. That's we need to come here to, under, to understand as well. Some of us in this room haven't made that decision yet. Some of us would just rather haven't made the recognition that 
Satan has a stronghold on our back. And he's constantly guiding us. And we would rather hold on. And that, and that, that and him guiding us may look nice, may look right. It may look like the, the most cookie-cutter thing that we want to know and we want to have that success in. But God has more power than that. For a person like Hudson, who, who when he came up to me and told me, he was like, I, I was basically like around church my entire life. For him to say, so I, I think this is, this is all good, but I just felt that God was calling me to make this decision because I don't want Satan to have a stronghold in my life. And I want to give, and I want to make sure that this is my decision. That's true. And for him to be 11 years old, 11 years old to understand that, knowing these Pharisees were like thousands of, I don't know how old they were, but they were a lot older. And then people looked to them and they saw how wise they were. We need to be that. We need to be like Hudson in understanding that, hey, look, I grew up in this, I grew up in this area and I know what's going on. And I'm, I'm, I'm just... He, and he wasn't fine where he was. He understood that Jesus had control. And see, and, and, and I, I say this like this because I've worked in student ministry for a long time, and I've seen this for a long time. I've even worked with, um, unfortunately, some pastor's kids who've made that same decision because they grew up in that same point in time. So this is why I, I, I thank just, you know, Scott and Kristen so much for y'all being open to that too. Because even in that manner where, you go and talk to parents, because that's what I always do, is I always say, hey, go talk to your parents, because we need to have a conversation about this. Um, and Scott and Kristen were so open and saying, yes, absolutely, this is what we need to do. This is what he needs to do. This is his decision. I've been in situations where, hey, go talk to your parents, and then they're like, well, you really don't need to, because you were baptized at a very young age, and that was fine. And even when they come up and say, hey, look, I was baptized because I wanted to get stickers at VBS. You know? Like, this is, this is, this is true honesty. So, and, and then at the same time, these parents are thinking, and then, you know, this is, I've had long conversations about this and even gotten in trouble before about this, so this is why I'm saying this. Because even those situations where when you do ask about that, it's almost like it offends the parents. You know? And it's like, no, 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 because then they start looking at how, it, how, people are going to, how people are going to look at their parenting and what they've done. It's not about that. It's not about that. It's about the decision that is made in how we understand that, just like Bob was saying, that, G, that Jesus had power all along. And he will continuously have power. And how are we going to, going to let Jesus have power over our life as opposed to let other things happen and have power over us? That's the true manner of it. That's the truth of it. Now, it doesn't mean that, hey, every time I make a decision for Christ, I'm getting baptized or anything like that. It means that we have an intentional walk with our families, with our people, with our community of believers to help them understand what this means to accept Christ. 
That's what it means, the intentionality behind all of that. And you see, the Pharisees were scared because they saw the intentionality behind Jesus, who he was, what he was doing, how he was willing to walk with his community of believers, how he was willing to walk with people who were mourning, how he was willing to walk and then call people to life, call people to serve, and call people to believe. That's what he was willing to do. Are we willing to do the same thing, church? Are we willing to abide in the call to, to, to live? Are we willing to abide in the call to serve? Are we being called to believe? Whew, what else? Mm. Okay, say that one more time because I like what you said, but I'm just getting it, getting it. Right. Yes, yes. So as we're looking at this, um, we understand and know that you see, God did not say, Lazarus, you're dead. Like, he didn't say, all right, done, Lazarus, because I want to show myself how, how I'm going to be. And no, Jesus didn't come at it from an egotistical standpoint that was all about him. As a matter of fact, what he did is he let the things take its course that's supposed to take, take its course as well. And then what he did is he also, he also opened it up to see this beauty of community surrounding it. But you see, ultimately, also what that led is to glorify who he, who he is, as opposed to him just stepping in and saying, all right, there you go, Lazarus. That wasn't about that. It was about a community of, belie- a community of people, um, because I, I wouldn't say believers, because some of them weren't believers. We understand that if we read in the context as well. But some of them became believers. We understand that the, prophecy, the prophets and the Pharisees, just like Bob was saying earlier, that they ended up understanding that they had no more control. So now this community is focusing more on how Jesus, or on who Jesus is, what he is doing, and how he is loving the community that he sees surrounding this, knowing that he is glorified, and not, and, 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 and not just and not just raised or looked at, or not just raised up and looked at. He's glorified in that manner. You know, they're they're looking at they're looking at Jesus saying, or they're they're looking at Jesus knowing that he's walking with his community, that he's weeping with his community, and that through that he's glorified. He's not demanding them to bow down and worship him. He's not saying do this right now, but he is calling them to do so. He calls, Martha, he calls Mary and Martha to do that uh, when we see it in 25. He says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who l- believes in me will live even if he dies. And the one who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She replied, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ and the Son of God and comes into the, and, uh, who comes into the world. You see, Martha and Mary, they're looking at this situation, both of them. They're looking at the situation in disbelief. They're seeing the community. They're not really understanding it. But then he's asking them, like, well, do you believe? Like, is it there? And then he's glorified through that. That's such an amazing thing. It's such a cool thing to see that. 
Um, you know, he's not demanding like, all right, bow down to me. He's not coming into the situation saying, I know more than you or anything like that. He's coming in asking questions. And so church, if there's anything I would say is when was the last time that you asked a question like that to someone? When was the last time that you embraced someone in the community like that as well? I say it for me too as well. When was the last time I asked a question? Not necessarily like, do you believe in God? But more of what do you believe? Let's talk about it. Let's get coffee. As opposed to, uh, you believe that? I don't know if I want to hang out with you. Now, if you're not, if you're not very, I would say this, if you're not, if you're not very foundationalized in who you are in Christ, that's, that's one thing. But if you know who Jesus is and you want to get to know someone and you want to introduce and walk through the gospel with someone, yes, by all means do that. It's important. So that way you can understand what they believe. You can understand, or you can maybe even understand their culture as well and who they are and why they believe what they believe too. What else? Anyone? Good one. Good one, patience. Like that. Go ahead. Yes. Right, absolutely. Jesus is, Adam was saying Jesus' redemption is not just for the afterlife. He can redeem anyone now. He can do it now and in the afterlife. Just like we said before, man, hopeless, hopeless is not for Jesus. Many people would probably look at this situation and say, hey, man, he raised Lazarus. That was awesome. He did an amazing job raising Lazarus and, and healing Lazarus. No, he brought Lazarus to life. And he can do the same for you. I know there's many of us right now that are here, like I said before, that are living dead. But see, God calls you to live in him. He wants you to live in him. It's not, just a, it's not just a situation where he's just saying, hey, all right, get up. No, it's he wants you to be recognized in him. He wants you to understand how valuable you are with him. And say goodbye to the things that we cater to, that we love, that we idolize so much to make us who we want to be. Because it's God who makes you who you want to be. He created you in the womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. How do we abide in him to understand that? And so, even in this, like I said, even in this situation where they had no hope, where hope was basically erased, where they were gone, they put a tomb, sign still delivered, that was it. Jesus still came and resurrected Lazarus. And he wants to do the same for you. So with the application that I have here, I got three questions. I got two questions, actually. And one of them um, here is, is God calling you to live? Is God calling you to live? And when I say that, what I'm talking about is that if you have not made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, 
God is calling you to live. If you are just walking around saying, look, I don't know, I made this decision a long time ago, I'm not too sure, I don't, you know, I was raised in church, is God calling you to live? And some of you are saying, okay, well, what does that mean, God calling me to live? Well, you see, Lazarus was dead. He was done according to the, according to the traditions, according to everything else. He was dead. He was done. But Jesus came. He walked with the community. He talked with the community. And then he went to Lazarus and he said, Lazarus, come out. And for some of us, God has been stirring in our hearts for a very long time. God has been trying to make his way into our heart, and we have just been, just been shutting the door saying, no, I ain't going to let you in, God, because I got a life that I want to live, and I want to live that life. And God could be calling you to let that life go because he has a better plan for you, and it's to not be dead. It's to live in him. And for some of us, is God calling you to serve? For some of us, we've actually been attending church. We've been doing church. We've been doing church the way we feel we need to do church. And when I'm saying that, I'm not talking about just church as friendship, as friendship you know, community, but I'm talking about just church in general. Is God calling you to serve? You've accepted Christ. You know what you need to do. How is God calling you to serve? Just like those friends that he called to come and help Lazarus get out. How and who is God calling you to serve? It may mean something totally different to you, and you may have to study and get in God's word, but I'm going to challenge you in that way, or we need to be challenged in that way, and this is something I'm challenging myself. Who is God calling you to serve? It may be with students on Wednesday nights, and we will so gladly welcome you, especially if you are a female, because we need some female leaders as well. That's just a, that's just a little uh, side note for me. But, um, but in looking at this, I want you all to understand the true matter of where, where is God calling you to serve? How is he got calling you to serve? It may be in the church, it may be outside the church, but we want to walk with you on that too. How is God calling you to unravel some of those things that need to be happening in the community, in the church? What needs to happen? And then also, God calls all of us right here. This is the foundation of everything. He calls us to believe. If we're going to do anything, it's believe in him. Believe that he is the life. Believe that he is the resurrection. Believe that he is the one who loves us, who cares for us, who is the one that was powerful from the very beginning and will be powered, empowered to the very end. He calls us to believe. Do you believe enough to be called to live? Do you believe enough to be called to serve? How are we going to do that, church? How are we going to embrace him love him, believe in him to be called to do this. I'm going to pray. And as the band comes up, there's going to be, um, I'm going to be down front. There's going to be some, uh, some other elders down front as well. And uh, if you feel that God's calling you, let's not escape that calling. Let's not escape that calling. 
Let's talk about it. Let's pray about it. Let's embrace it. Or if you just need time to yourself just to deal with that call, altar's open. You don't have to have someone specifically praying for you. We would probably lay a hand on you, and that's about it. But if you want to talk about that, we're here. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for who you are, for what you've done, God. We're thankful for you that you are a God who calls us. You are a God who calls us to live. You are a God that calls us to serve. You are a God that calls us to believe. May we adhere to the calling to believe first and foremost, God. To believe in you, that you are the one who loves us. You are the one who cares for us. You are the one who embraces us so much, God. You call us by name. The name that you gave us. The name that you want us to live out. The name that you have for us. You call us to serve in the capacity that you you encourage us through your word, through your love, through your community, God. I ask that as we embrace this word today, may we walk in you, may we worship you, and may we continuously seek you in absolutely everything that we do as we could be Lazaruses right now, just waiting to hear our name be called, as we could be his friends right now, waiting to unravel so that we can live in you, God. Because there is a greater life in you. There is a greater life in you than what we think life can be. I'm asking all this be done in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.